So good morning everyone listening, it's a FX day and it's another exciting time to bring the Value Nigeria podcast to everybody listening one more time. Um, how has our week been? I hope we've been doing well, we are doing fine wherever we are. Um, in the spirit of what we've always done, which is to have guests come on to the show and speak to the retail investors um, on ways they can in- invest profitably and how to improve their wealth building process generally. Um, we, we have a wonderful guest one more time on the show and we'll be discussing a not too popular aspect of investing today. Um, I, I, I hope it will be very educational. Um, I really look forward to this conversation and I, I know at the end of the chat, um, everybody listening would have learned definitely more than one or two things. Um, my guest on the show today is the head of the Financial and the Sharia Advisory Unit at 117 Capital Limited, which is one of the new um, asset managers on the block. And they've you know shot out of the blocks and are doing very, very well, as we'll get to here today. The, the major area of specialization of my guest is in Islamic finance, uh, with a focus on products development, Islamic, um, Islamic contract structuring, research, financial advisory, portfolio management, private wealth management, and so on and so forth. He has advised both the private and the public um, sector entities in the issuance of Sukuk, which we would hear about you know, further in the chat today. Um, my guest previously worked with Lotus Capital, which is one of the frontline firms when it comes to Islamic um, finance in Nigeria. And um, he, he worked in that uh, in the capacity of a sales executive within the northern region and was the team lead for the retail market and the bank of industry intervention fund lead um so my guest is an accounting and auditing organization for islamic finance and institution member and he's a certified sharia advisor and auditor he's a fellow even in that capacity now, he's an alumnus of the University of Abuja, where he studied and majored in, fin- in economics. He also has had certification in global financial markets and instruments issued by the Rice University and investment analysis and portfolio management issued by the ex-academy of the Nigerian Exchange Group. My guest has facilitated and attended various workshops and um, seminars and trainings on Islamic finance, both within and outside the country. Uh, his interests are in human development, financial literacy, and Islamic finance advocacy. My um, guest today is a member of the technical committee of the Non-Interest Financial Institutions of Nigeria. It's a proud honor and it's a, it's a, a privilege for me to welcome Mr. Ismail Olayinka Rufai to the show this morning, even to discuss the niche topic of Islamic finance. It's lovely to have you on the show this morning, sir. Thank you very much, and thank you for the opportunity to come and uh, explain uh, in detail what uh, Islamic finance is all about. Perfect, perfect. Um, it, it, the, the reason I picked a particular interest in, fin- in Islamic finance is that, it, as I said, it's a niche field. It's something that um, people are... Co- or it's a field that is coming into the consciousness of people pretty recently in recent times and there are only a handful of firms in nigeria that practice sole 
um, Islamic finance and your firm happens to be one of them. But before we talk about um, going to details, we always appreciate getting to know our guests a little bit further. So if you don't mind just telling us a little bit about your personal background and your professional background, we'll really appreciate that, sir. Okay, um, good day, everybody wants to get. Uh, like uh, the interview has mentioned, my name is Rufai Maelolainka, and uh, I'm in Nigerian. Uh, I was born and brought up in uh, Aduna, that is another part of the country. My family was Aduna, where yeah, I attended Malawi in Nigeria family school. And um, secondary school was in the Shugo, that was the Shugo, so I have. Uh, my primary school in the north, my secondary school in the south, uh, the south grammar school. It's the only boys only school in the capital of Washington State, that is in Togo. And I also, uh, from just one to uh, SFK, I was in that school. I was a science student while in secondary school, but uh, right from the beginning, I have an uh, interest in uh, anything that actually deals with the economy. Uh, I remember back then in Kaduna, we normally uh, go on air and to go and purchase newspapers. And uh, in the process of bringing those newspapers, the, the 10 newspapers, also the, the major one then, we normally read those newspapers before actually giving them to those who actually send you to go and buy it. So I started developing, and I remember then my teacher normally said, when you are coming back to school or going to school, always read things you see on a sign post or sign board as normally call it. And um, my interest in reading started on those things and majorly uh, understanding uh, the economy becomes something I'm Yes, as a science student, economics uh, was one of my first uh, subjects. And uh, immediately after my secondary school, I always wrote my mind to be an economist. And uh, I think I found myself uh, writing down several different things, not that not fast, but Sometimes I'll look at it as fate. In all, I'll always put a book in terms of the benchmark. But, you know, when fate will have it, that some might feel that it's from the investor, I did. Yes, I did. And uh, I think that was the second stone I was able to gather the necessary input expected of someone who wants to work in the capital market. And while in the investor, also, my mind also zero that I don't want to work. And uh, I pray towards that and work towards it also that I would rather work in an uh, industry that the impact would be positively on the market. Yes, the conventional is also having positive impact to the market, but when you really understand the issue of compound interest, don't worry what is actually the rationale behind conventional uh, financial institution or conventional finance when the compound interest itself is not to the benefit of customer or the client, mm-hmm. but it's to the advantage of the bank alone. And for me, any financial dealing uh, that only favors one person than the other, or is not mutually benefited to offer to, so it becomes a problem at that point. So, right from my investigators, I will use my down to work uh, in a non interest financial institution. And our own graduation. Local capital limited was a point uh, of call, yeah, but uh, while with Lotus, I was more in the uh, business development uh, part, which is more of uh, sales and marketing. 
more than two than this particular one that I need to be technically involved in the uh, process of having final use. I believe I have the capacity to do that. And um, I do read a lot and um, research and also follow most of the figures in the industry. And um, from there, I uh, have the opportunity to work in capital and it has been the opportunity I've been looking for. So, I would say personally, this has been my journey from right from beginning to where I am today. That, um, for instance, it's kind of and where you have different areas. Yes, you have the capital market, the banking, and the account of which is all the insurance. But actually, I find myself working under the capital market. Thank you very much. So, thank you very much for telling us that background and giving us some information just about how your journey has been uh, up to this point. Um, what I, I learned something from that, and that is, you know, recognizing early your passion in life or what you really want to achieve and then pursuing it relentlessly. And I hope the listeners are taking notes and, you know, applying that even to their lives at present. Um, now... Islamic finance, is, it's a niche field. It's quite new in Nigeria. And as you have said, you've been in the industry right from the very start of your professional career. Can you just give us a little background on how Islamic finance has evolved in Nigeria, where we are at present, and where you think we should be looking forward to for future? Okay, thank you very much for this uh, question. So when it comes to the uh, origin and the probably the foundation of Islamic finance in Nigeria, it started from the then um, Abib Bank. Mm-hmm. Abib Bank is like the pioneer uh, institution that actually introduced the concept of Islamic finance to Nigeria, whereby they decided to have more like a window that is with uh, ethical um, financing. But in in the present day financial institution or present day the uh, financial um, ecosystem of Nigeria, so, so we we'll actually give it to Jai's Bank. Jai's Bank started the recognition whereby you have the first Islamic financial institution fully uh, pledged uh, Islamic bank being registered uh, in the Nigerian um, capital market and the Nigerian banking. Um, ecosystem in, in, in the same regard. Then uh, from this is around 2005, where you have Chinese Bank International TLC being registered in order for them to actually raise capital. But uh, due to the non-availability of capital, the bank was not able to actually uh, fully start operation until around 2011, whereby um, the new CBN governor at that time, that is uh, his royal highness, the 15th emir of Kanu, who was then the governor of the Central Bank of Nigeria. Before Sanusi, the benchmark was that the Soludo, uh, governor Soludo regime as the CBN governor introduced that any, any bank that will be operating in the Nigerian capital market should be having a 25 billion naira capital base. But when the new governor came in, that is the uh, Israel INS, he actually classified that conventional banks should maintain 25 billion, while the specialized bank, which is Islamic finance, Islamic banking actually falls under 
can uh, be given the opportunity to have a five billion for regional license and ten billion for national license. And this is at the process of having Islamic finance penetrating the Nigerian capital market, uh, the Nigerian uh, financial uh, uh, ecosystem. In the capital market, you have Lotus Capital. Lotus Capital is the pioneer uh, financial institution in the Nigerian capital market to introduce uh, uh, Islamic finance products to investors. And in, since 2008, when they started, the process have continued to grow. Today, you have more than five Islamic capital market uh, licensed companies operating within the Nigerian capital market. And the same thing goes to the uh, Sukuk market, whereby Osho State, being the first government entity or any organization in the Nigerian capital market to raise capital using an instrument called Sukuk, uh, which is also similar to the conventional bond that we have on the other part of the market, in order to fund the construction of uh, schools within or around uh, specific local governments of the state, which uh, today the Ocean Sukuk has become the trailblazer for all Sukuk issuances in the country. So basically, we, we, we can notice that from Abib Bank to Chai's Bank to Lotus Bank to Ocean State, these are the origin, how these different institutions have been able to contribute to the growth of Islamic finance in the country. All right, perfect. Thank you very, very much for that enlightenment. Um, now, somebody listening might have heard us use the word Islamic finance several times over and over again in the course of the conversation so far. Uh, do you mind just explaining what Islamic finance actually is, what it stands for, what are the principles that separate it from other aspects of regular finance? Okay, so thank you very much. So Islamic finance is that aspect of finance that uh, that has the foundation being uh, the Sharia, that is the, uh, the, the Sharia, that is really looking at the source of the Sharia now, looking at the Quran and Adib of the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, meaning the, just like all other Abrahamic uh, religion, Islam, Christianity, and uh, Judaism, they all prohibited um, usury or interest as the case may be. So as a Christian, a Muslim, or a Jew, when we check our holy books, we will all notice that in the whole uh, in tandem when it comes to the charging of interest uh, or usury as it is contained in some of these books. But uh, I would rather say probably uh, human being in our own capacity are decided to probably uh, um, live out of what the Almighty has actually asked us to do. So Islamic finance in principle is that part of finance that actually depends or use the Quran and the Adid as the source of uh, guideline which we call the Sharia now in ensuring that day-to-day -day business activities are guided by the information contained in this uh, source of uh, laws. So we, we have what we call uh, the Muhammad in, in whereby the, the trading, 
where we need to, we, we, how we can interact with each other in terms of trading in this particular regard. So for Islamic finance, the major source of laws that guide the principle on which it works is the Quran and the Hadith. And uh, other, uh, we also have the Yad and Isma, which is uh, the, the consensus of some of the scholars that we have within the sector. And probably, majorly, the prohibition are number one, don't charge interest. Number two, no betting, no gambling. Then number three, avoid excessive uh, uh, speculation. And we also have to avoid also uncertainty, meaning uh, that's not the uncertainty in whether you make a profit or loss, but the uncertainty in the uh, aspect of production, meaning you can buy an item probably that is not in existence, that, that doesn't have description, that is uncertainty in the, in the nature of the item you want to buy. So not the uncertainty whether you make profit or you are going to make loss. So in principle time, uh, the Islamic finance depends on, number one, no uh, interest rates, rather profit is allowed. Number two, uh, you, you have the principle of no gambling, no uh, uncertainty, avoid uh, speculation, you can't invest in alcohol. The major prohibition that the religion has actually prohibited. Well, thank you very, very much, sir. I, I think that was a very, very clear and explicit um, explanation of the foundational principles that guide in Islamic finance and generally all religious finance, as you have rightly said. Uh, however, I just want to focus on the first principle that you've talked about, which is the no charging of interest. However, profit, uh, profitability is allowed. Now, what are the dangers or what are the downsides of interest? Why is it that interest is prohibited? Why is it that charging an interest for business um, might have some downsides? So, um, uh, economic-wise, when, when you look at the concept of interest, which basically in the conventional uh, uh, setting, we look at it from the angle of compound interest and uh, simple interest. So, um, compound interest, uh, as, as the case may be, affect uh, negatively the customer or the client, while the, the bank itself will be the one that benefits from it, meaning is an avenue whereby somebody is uh, getting fatter while the other person is getting thinner. And as a finance, uh, as a means of finance, Islamic finance encourage a, a mutually beneficial relationship whereby both the financier and the one being financed at this point in time, we should be able to have reasonable enjoyment or benefits they will be enjoying from a transaction, not that the financier will be making more money while the company or the individual being financed in this case will be the one losing. Us. So when you look at it, uh, basically, the interest doesn't, doesn't look at the sources of the person being financed in this case. They only look at the benefit they will only get uh, in return for money. Because interest means you are only charging money. Money. There is no economic activities that the bank has been able to render in this figure. But when it comes to Islamic finance, Islamic finance encourage trading. And when you do trading, meaning there is possibility of you making profits or you making loss. There is an economic uh, activities that have been involved in this particular regard. Is either you are selling a service or you are selling a product. 
But for the conventional angle whereby you have interest, there is no service or product being sold. Rather, you are only charging money for money, and which the Sharia said, money is not a commodity, and money cannot be traded. So is either you do purchase of an item with money, or you actually give the person the money in what we call in a benevolent manner, meaning I gave you 100 naira, you pay back the 100 naira back to me. Probably it, it could be based on the fact that there is a relationship between me and you, and I'll, I've benefited in, a, in that relationship in the past. I can give you a loan without charging anything in regard. Interesting. Uh, thank, thank you very much for that. Just ruminating or reflecting on what you have explained, it's quite clear that that actually is the humane and sensible way for us to interact with each other um, rather than a win-lose situation. That's the conventional banks are winning while the, the lenders are losing. We can look at it from a win-win situation where both parties mutually benefit from that relationship. Mm. One of the tools that we've seen the government use, just as you have told us about the origins of the Sukuk bond, even from Oshun State, um, the federal government has now taken this up and they've now, we've now seen Sukuk bonds um, in succession uh, over the past couple of years. Um, do you mind just telling us um, how a Sukuk bond is different from the regular bonds that are issued by the government? What makes Sukuk bond different from regular bonds? Okay, uh, thank you very much. Uh, you know, in the capital market, we have a um, bond which could be issued by either a corporate entity, a sub-sovereign or a state, and a sovereign um, sukuk. So when it comes to sukuk in Nigeria, for instance, we have both corporate sukuk issuances, we have state government, uh, also sub-sovereign sukuk issuances, we also have sovereign sukuk issuances. And uh, like I mentioned, the first sukuk in the Nigerian capital market was that of Oshunste Sukuk. So for the federal government of Sukuk, uh, federal government of Nigerian Sukuk, I think it started when this current regime of uh, President Mohamed Buhari uh, came in, the Minister of uh, uh, Works, Mubatu uh, Defashola San, uh, look, look at the fact that Nigeria has a lot of infrastructural deficit. And uh, when they look at the means of financing these uh, infrastructural deficit, Sukuk became an option and technically, when you compare the difference between Sukuk and the conventional bond, you will surely see why uh, the government will surely go for the Sukuk. Yes, governments have been raising money through conventional bond in the past for infrastructural development, but basically people have not been able to see the result of that, probably due to the fact that there could be a misallocation of the bond or diversion of funds. But when it comes to Sukuk, when you are raising capital for a particular project, that money must go into that project 100% without you diverting it to other items, especially when you put in place all necessary mechanisms that should be put in place, which should be guided by all the professional parties that have been employed in this particular regard. So an investment in Sukuk is you are investing in an asset, meaning the money should go into a productive activity. That should be an underlying asset in which all NERA that have been invested in this Sukuk will surely go into. Meaning, if you are raising a 10 billion NERA that should be an asset, this 10 billion NERA will be generating. So, it is this 10 billion NERA worth of asset that is being created that will be regarded as the Sukuk asset. But in the conventional market, you understand that the ownership you only have is in a certificate that will be issued to you by the government 
that they borrow social amount of money through you and this is a case that shows that they are actually owing you at that point in time. But for Sukuk, there will be an underlying asset. Yes, there will also be a certificate that will show your ownership stake in this particular asset. But uh, yeah, foundation-wise, the Sukuk will be backed by the asset you need to Sukuk proceed to be used in uh, generating uh, a value for. So the Sukuk proceed could be for the construction of road, it could be for the construction of hospitals, it could be for the construction of airports, it could be for the construction of schools, it could be for the construction of anything that will have value and are environmentally friendly to the people. You can use Suku to go and construct a probably a betting uh, company or an alcohol um, company because in principle times, Islamic finance is against some of these uh, activities. So. Basically, number one, it, it should be something that is legally approved, meaning you can also do something that the country in which the Sukuk capital is being raised for has been prohibited. So if, for instance, the government said nobody should own hotel, uh, under Sukuk, you can also not raise uh, capital to fund, to fund the construction of an hotel because legally-wise, it has been prohibited. So the secondary factor you now consider again that is the uh, uh, Sukuk asset also Sharia compliant that you think not Sharia compliant automatically you cannot uh, use uh, Sukuk proceed to construct any item that is uh, Sharia wise not accepted. Thank you very, very much, sir. Um, as you spoke, a question just came into my head because I, I know the, the Sukuk bonds that the government sell, um, they generate some form of coupons um, like in the government of Nigeria at present, I think the, the Sukuk bonds are used to make roads for certain constructions and, you know, that are Sharia compliant. Now, how are those coupons generated? Can we say that those coupons, what's the, what's the difference between those coupons and interest, regular interest? Um, I don't know if you understand my question, sir. Yes, so, so when it comes to uh, Sukuk, there are different contracts that as a suku can be structured depending on the utilization of proceeds. It could be a form of partnership, it could be a form of sales, it could be a form of lease, and it could be a form of agency. So for the Nigerian uh, FGN suku that have been issued, it has been structured in form of lease. And in lease, you can also have two types of lease. You can have what we call a lease of an asset that is already in, uh, in existence or at least for an asset to be constructed in future. So for the Nigerian uh, Sukuk, it is leased for an asset to be, construction in, to be constructed in future, going by the fact that the roads are not yet com uh, completed or are not yet constructed. It, the money this, uh, that are being raised by the federal government will be used in the construction of these assets. And the federal government of Nigeria have two means of paying back this particular Sukuk proceed is either they pay from the toll gate in which will be erected on this road, and they can also decide to pay from their other source of income. So, you just for instance, let me give an analogy: a man that rents a house and the man is working with company A, it is expected that uh, he can be paying his house rent from a salary he, he actually generated from company A. 
But the same man may also have other businesses he, he does, we are classified as X now. So for me, as the landlord, I may not be bothered whether you are paying me from your salary from company A from or from business being generated from your business X in as much as you are paying your obligation. And at the end of the period, the ownership of the house, if it is a lease to own structure that we've structured, will surely come back to you after you've paid my full uh, payment consideration. So ideally, the road are supposed to have two gates. But the federal government of Nigeria, since the law has abolished the election of toll gates on the Nigerian road under the then president, Olusha Gunobasanjo, that they abolished construction of uh, toll gates. Meaning, is either the government pay from the toll gates uh, being erected on this road, or they decide to pay on their own. So, due to the law that we currently don't have any law that said erect toll gates on the road, the government decides to be paying from other sources, which are basically uh, tax received from uh, the uh, people. And uh, you, you understand that there are some tax that are transportation uh, uh, related. And in order not to also burden the people, they decide, okay, we are going to pay the rent and all consideration that will be coming in, in the absence of us not having to get on this road. So it is it, a matter of decision, but majorly, as Cook has said, majorly generate his own rentals and all payment consideration from the same asset. So the first principle that any uh, asset you be constructing from Sukuk uh, proceeds should be something that can be able to generate income on its own. So in the Nigerian capital market, the roads can actually generate income, but the federal government also decide that in order to avoid different issues, they can also decide to pay from their end. That was very, very explanatory. Thank you very, very much, sir. Um, earlier, while speaking, you t- you mentioned the word environment, and that, that leads me into the next question. There's a new movement, the ESG movement, the environment, um, social, and governance conscious investing or conscious consciousness in asset and in finance. Um, it's said to be the humane kind of way, generally, where you, you, you in your investing, you consider... You know, kindness to the environment, social impacts on the people, and proper corporate governance. Now, how does ESG principles of ESG? How does this fit into Islamic finance? Are they similar? Are they different? Can they be said to be working towards the same end? What are your thoughts about this, sir? So, um, I think Islamic finance generally promotes ESG, since uh, the principle is that. You cannot invest in anything that is not socially beneficial or anything that will have negative impact on not just the economy, the environment, and also the human being within those uh, vicinity. And this is a major reason why Islamic finance prohibits investment in alcohol, gambling. Because, for instance, when you look at alcohol, gambling, or betting, they have social uh, implication on the economy. Is it that somebody takes alcohol and misbehaves, or somebody bets and it becomes bankrupted? So, uh, in one way or the other, uh, Islamic finance is against any uh, investment that is not socially friendly, that is also not environmentally friendly. And this is the reason why, for every transaction you do in Islamic finance, it will be subjected to what we call the uh, Advisory Council of Experts. And in the Advisory Council of Experts, they look at the beneficial. Uh, 
angle of any investment that will be done, how is it, will it be beneficial to the uh, parties involved? Then after looking at the party, which is the human being in this transaction, you also look at the fact that will it also be beneficial to the economy or the environment? In, in this regard, any business that will add uh, pollution to the economy will not be encouraged in any Islamic finance institution. And this is why, be it any bank or capital market operators, we actually don't do investment in any business activities that we know that the channel of the impact or the effect will have a negative impact on the economy, the negative impact on the society, and also negative impact on the uh, environment. Today, you, you, you have in some uh, Islamic countries, there have been issues sukuk related to green bonds, meaning sukuk that in, uh, in addition to the quality that you have in the sukuk that don't do this, don't do that, you also look at uh, sukuk targeted towards power generation, and not just power generation, but power generation through solar, meaning here you have, you are utilizing the sunlight being available and you are not having any negative implication to the economy. Not in such a way that you're going to be uh, producing power through a means that will be also detrimental or be having negative uh, uh, impacts to the immediate environment in which that electricity is being generated. So I would say basically Islamic finance promotes ESG in its utmost uh, uh, as an utmost priority, going by the principle that actually guides investments uh, using the uh, non-interest uh, financial instrument. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, sir. Um, now, somebody listening who is interested in, um, in, in somebody listening who is interested in investing using the principles of Islamic finance might feel he or she is limited by the, you know, scarcity of. Um, of, of vehicles, of tools of investing. It, it seems the most popular Islamic finance compliance investing tool at present are the Sukuk bonds. Now, are there other investment opportunities or other investments um, tools that are Sukuk compliant or are Sharia compliant as well? Yes, like you know, Sukuk is just a, one of the uh, financial instruments we have in the Nigerian capital market that share compliance as it is today in the Nigerian capital market we have more than 10 SEC licensed mutual funds that as little as 5,000 Naira people can actually invest in and um, you also have investment through some of the Islamic banks also that you can do a short term placement with I think um, when we look back maybe 10 years uh, ago, we may be likely saying we don't have financial instruments whereby retail investors can invest in. But as it is today, we have a lot of uh, companies offering various forms of uh, investable uh, assets or investable products that individuals, corporate organizations, or public institutions are actually investing. Both some of them are sponsored by Islamic finance institutions and some by even conventional uh, institutions. So as it is today, I think the market is growing. We, we have more uh, mutual funds that we can invest in compared to five years ago or even two years ago. And we have more also coming in. So the market is, is growing and the opportunity is also available for people to actually exploit. 
Perfect, perfect. Um, I, I, I just feel it's, it might not be fair for, for us to let you go because we are almost at the end of the conversation without putting in a specific word, possibly about your firm or about other specific firms. That I know you've men- put out a broad blanket, but do you mind just men- mentioning specific um, asset managers that people who are interested in Islamic finance can direct their inquiries to and ta- take advantage of, of their, their services? So, okay, uh, okay. as it is today, um, in, in, in the non-interest financial institution, we have a mother body called the Non-Interest Financial Institution Association of Nigeria, NIFIAN, where we comprise of gold banks, the capital market operators, and also the TACAP, which is the insurance part, that operate within the Nigerian economy. And as it is today, in the banking sector, we have the likes of Chinese, Cash Bank, Lotus Bank, Selling Alternative and um, SunTrust uh, having various forms of Islamic financial uh, instruments they provide. In the capital market, you have the likes of 117 Capital Limited, the likes of Lotus Capital, Mabu Capital, uh, Trust Bank, Atoll, Dynamas, operating within the Nigerian capital market, and they are all fully uh, offering uh, Islamic finance uh, products. In the Takafu, you have the likes of um, no Takafu, Salam Takafu, Jais Takafu, Ilal Takafu. And um, I think the opportunity is there for 117 Capital. 117 Capital is a license with the Securities and Exchange Commission said to provide ethical uh, products uh, to individuals, corporate organizations, and uh, uh, public uh, enterprise also. And uh, in terms the range of school structuring, product structuring, advisory. And um, we've been able to advise, uh, especially Taj Bank, in the last sukuk they just did, which is the first sukuk to be issued in the Nigerian capital market by a bank. So today we have a bank coming to the capital market to raise funds. We also have uh, some sukuk for uh, construction of houses by the family home. So the product is growing day by day, and uh, in, in the nearest future, I think the market will be enough for people to actually explore and look at where they can invest for short-term, medium-term, and long-term financial instruments. Thank you very much, sir. I've been thoroughly educated even by this conversation today. Um, just before we let you go, sir, any last words, any last words of advice for the retail investor listening either those interested in Islamic finance or those that aren't? Or any, any last words of advice for the retail investor listening? So I think um, my first word would be, number one, Islamic finance is not just for Muslim. Islamic finance is for everyone. But uh, Islamic finance, yes, the principle guiding the operation is uh, using uh, looking at Sharia. But in terms of uh, who can participate within the ecosystem, whether as uh, experts or as investors, any it, it has no straight restriction. So it is for everyone, and it, it is also the beneficial usage is also for everyone. For instance, the road being constructed from school proceed, it has no discrimination whether it can be used by a Muslim or a Christian. Anybody is for the beneficial of uh, all. So in this case, for the retail investors, what I would say is that yes. Uh, uh, apart from profit, you, you should also look at the fact that 
your money is being invested in environmentally friendly uh, instruments that will be also adding value to the environment. So in one way or the other, we, we must look at investment that had and that will be having environment uh, impact positively, not those that you actually invest, you make your money, but there is a negative impact somewhere else, your investment will be adding to a particular economy or a society. So investment should be beyond the income, Rather, you should also look at the other benefit that comes with investment. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, sir. It was a pleasure having this conversation. Um, hopefully, at some point in the future, um, we might bring you back to discuss other pertinent issues, if that's all right, by No problem, sir. Thank you very much for the opportunity.